This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. This is Alex Pearson. Uh, good morning to you, Alex Pearson, with you on this Friday, March 10th. Uh, here we go, capping off a Friday, easing into the weekend of what I think has been a very chaotic week of talkable. So very, very good to have you here as we, uh, I guess we're at the calm before the storm. I'm not sure it's going to be the worst storm for all of us, but uh, we'll keep tracking it for you. And of course, I'm going to keep talking about the latest on China, the China crisis, uh, which every day splinters into several different stories. So it's actually pretty hard to cover because there are just so many little sidebar pieces that come out. But we'll uh, get to the kind of crux of where we are. Um, I'll do that at the 10 o'clock hour because there's lots, <laughs> there's lots to talk about. Certainly now that we're into the pearl clutching stage with the you hurt my feelings uh, part of the scandal. So I'll, I'll weigh in on that. And uh, Marco Mendicino, as you've heard in the news, uh, just weighing in with, uh, with the latest action they're going to take. More talking. They're going to talk about the uh, talk that they said that they would talk about last year. And that has to do with the foreign agents registry. They, they actually announced last year that they were going to have consultations on it, like seven years after being in power. But today he announced they're going to talk about talking about the consultation. So it's just every day, it's just a new excuse. So we'll talk about, but I want to kick things off asking, you know, is your paycheck anyone's business? Is your paycheck anyone's business? Is what you make anyone else's business? Because a Toronto restaurant thinks uh, that it should be, and is reason why they're publicly going to be sharing employee salaries from the management right down to the dishwasher. And it's a move that the owner thinks will break the stigma of discussing money and what each other is paid. And this is a, a restaurant called Brasa Peruvian Kitchen. And I guess there's a number of these locations. And when uh, employees you know, got to work, all of the uh, stores or the um, restaurants had posted employee earnings with the belief that the the, the transparency of what everyone makes is going to create a, a strong company culture and will allow employees to move ahead based on what other people have done. I mean, maybe, maybe, or maybe it'll just start a culture of infighting and jealousy and a lot of unintended consequences. You know, weighing into the latest social justice effort, I think one has to ask themselves always, what could go wrong? And I would say everything, because I think it has proved that way, right? Especially when it comes to a movement where everyone, and in this case, it's the employees, is is expected to take part in broadcasting their paycheck. Or, I mean, if you don't, I'm sure they'll say, well, you don't have to, but then you know you're going to be canceled or you're going to be put into the deplorable basket. And if you ask me, frankly, 
one salary is no one's business. What you make is not my business. It's not the listener's business. It's no one's business. Unless you choose to make it everyone's business. What I have an issue is, you know, if it's expected, if it's an expected action, you know, with those who choose not to take part being vilified, you know, if you want to show your paycheck, great, but then you cannot expect others to do it or vilify them if they don't. And in the case of this Toronto restaurant owner, he makes very clear uh, that he pays above minimum wage proactively and also offers employees the uh, choice of part or full-time work with benefits right from day one. So if you work at a place like this, you're not going to make anything less than 19 bucks an hour, which is higher than the minimum wage. And you can earn as much as 75 grand if you're on salary. So it seems actually like a pretty good place to work. Pretty generous, right? And good for him. But what happens when those making the 19 bucks an hour doing the same thing as someone like making 23 bucks an hour demands, I want that. That's what I want. I want to have that. And the owner says, you know, the, the salary to scrote closure will come with context. You know, it'll say like Joe Blow has been working here three years, uh, you know, is an exemplary employee, does extra work, stays extra long, whatever. And, you know, this list of accomplishments will justify why maybe he is making more than the next person. So if an employee were to ask to make the same amount as, you know, that person, then that they, they I guess, in theory, they know what they have to do. They have to do what Joe Blow does, you know, or they stay at the level they're paid now. And the owner feels like this kind of transparency is going to build a big, strong team and, and that team will stick around longer. And, and I guess he'll find out. But, you know, as the Bible says, money is the root of all evil, right? And I'm not suggesting this guy's a bad guy, not at all. It's just money and the desire to have it or to have what others have can lead to all sorts of issues of jealousy or resentment. And that's because money's an emotional thing. And no matter what amount we're talking about, it often uh, leads to irrational behavior because it dominates every aspect of our life, whether it's the way we live, uh, the freedom we have to do stuff, the groceries we buy, the restaurants we can go to, the comforts we enjoy. And if you're at the bottom of the publicly published pay scale, it's not going to take long, I think, for those people to say, well, I'm not happy with this and I don't want to do six months of extra work and I don't want to do like there will be those people. They just want what they want and they don't want to have to earn it. So I think even the best intentions can lead to a lot of unintended consequences. So while this kind of story will get people talking and, and often leads to others wanting to follow and be part of the trend, you know, there can't be an expectation everyone does it because not every business can do this or will want to do this. And then what? Do they, do they find themselves on the named and shamed list? And then what happens if your company decides to follow suit and you don't want your salary made public? Like, what if you're the only employee out of uh, 100 people that's like, I don't want my, my salary out there? Are you blacklisted? You become like the source of whispers? I mean, I don't talk about money because it's tacky. It, but it's also no one's business. As soon as someone starts talking about the money they make, I actually walk away. I have no interest. I don't care. And, and no matter what the amount is, though, at some point, someone's going to take issue with it because money is emotional and, and irrational. And if you've ever had to settle a will, you know what I'm talking about. It's just crazy how crazy people get over even a dollar. 
So, uh, look, I get the sense that this business owner's got um, every good intention, and he also has every right to run his business how he feels best. It's just don't make that and your transparency an expectation on everyone else. And, you know, the bottom line is, um, you know, why stop at restaurants? I mean, maybe the banks will want to get on on this. If they haven't closed your account, maybe they'll just, hey, here are all our customers. This is what they have in their accounts. We can share everything and, and compare what's what and what's fair and what's not. And then maybe we can just all have the same thing and just share everything because isn't that more fair? That's what they'll tell you. I mean, look, it starts with one restaurant and then all you know, before you know it, everyone's getting in on it. And then in six months, everyone starts yelling at each other and screaming at each other and uh, what could go wrong. So that is the uh, message. that President Biden making his first official visit to Canada March 23rd. And certainly, I think one of the conversations our Prime Minister is going to have to have is on Roxham Road, you know, stopping the flow of thousands of migrants that have been coming from the U.S. because of this loophole in the uh, Safe Safe Third Country Act. And this may have been a non-starter a couple of weeks ago, but... You know, because Biden's got this huge headache on the southern border. I mean, they've got thousands of people coming in, and he doesn't want to deal with it, but now he's got to deal with it. And now another, there's a new wrinkle that's cropped up with people who are traveling from Mexico, Guatemala, Honduras, and India, and they're flying to Canada, and now they are using it to do the reverse and go into the U.S. So now he's got problems coming north and south. Giddy Mammon is an immigration lawyer dealing with these very issues. Good to have you, Giddy. Thanks for having me, Alex. It's interesting because for, for a while now we have been hearing, um, you know, that mayors along uh, border towns are buying tickets for people to come to Canada to get them out of their uh, area. And now it's like they're coming to Canada to go over there. So this thing's a mess. Um, it's a problem. Well, for sure. Uh, you know, uh, countries used to be very concerned about their borders and were uh, doing everything they could to secure those borders. The United States has left a, a huge gaping hole in its southern border, and Canada joined suit when they allowed uh, Roxham Road to even exist, uh, simply uh, you know, putting up a fence and denying entry. Uh, they're basically set up an operation at a hole in the fence. It's not even a real port of entry. So uh, it's obvious that this is going to attract attention of people who need to get into the United States or get into Canada. So if you want to get to Canada, you go to South America, you go to Mexico, you get into the States, and then you cross the border at Roxham Road. And if you want to go into the States and you can't somehow get to South America or, you, or you're or you already in Canada, uh, well, you just go south and go into the United States. Mm. Uh, you know, so both countries have a, you know, have a shared border. It's huge. Uh, and, uh, you know, there's, there's many, many ways of crossing the border. Um, the question is whether or not you want to enforce uh, that border and how, how hard you want to enforce it. 
Well, we used to. I mean, once upon a time, that was a thing. They are borders, and it's uh, the federal government's responsibility on both sides of the border to protect those uh, borders because we have for so many years, Giddy, bragged about we've got this undefended border. Well, now it is being exploited, and we've not seen any messaging. I mean, certainly the prime minister, who's got a very big following, who tweeted out the initial, come one, come all, you know, you'll be welcomed here, certainly hasn't gone out of his way to say stop. This isn't safe. This is not a border entry. We must not come here. And he could do that. We've not seen any of that. And as you know, in the United States, Biden doesn't want to deal with this at all. Uh, But now it's like they're being forced to deal with it. So what do you think the conversation looks like when uh, Biden comes here to Canada? What should it look like? To be honest with you, I don't think it has anything to do with this conversation. Um, You go down a road in the United States and you make a right turn and you cross a ditch There are CBSA officers standing there, and they can tell you, sorry, no, you cannot come in. End of story. If you want to enter Canada, go to a proper port of entry. Mm -hmm. You don't need to have a discussion with President Biden for that. Just put the rules in. I'm sorry? Just use the rules on the books. That's right. We don't need President Biden to have a conversation with us for us to simply put up a chain link fence and say you cannot come in. Go down the road to where there is a proper port of entry. And if you try to come in, we'll arrest you uh, and, and charge you if necessary. But I don't think this has absolutely anything to do uh, with, uh, with, with Biden. What they're, what they're saying, they're being very clever. They're saying, oh, oh, we need to make an, uh, an amendment to the Safe Third Country uh, Agreement. Uh, in order to be able to uh, uh, deny people the right uh, to make a claim as of right at a hole in the fence. That's true. But either way, that hole in the fence is still going to exist. So if you can deny a person the right to make a claim at a port of entry, it's, in, it's unimaginable to me that you can't deny a person the right to enter at a hole in the fence. You don't right, need because the men- for that. No, you don't. I mean, and we've made it now so that there's like, uh, you know, uh, buildings there now. And and when you see images of the police helping people bring their bags over, then, you know, word gets around pretty quickly, Giddy, um, that there's ways to do this. And now it's become like a very exploited thing. We've got traffickers, um, you know, taking advantage of this. And again... Uh, there's been no effort to stop it. But I think, you know, you know, if if Biden and Trudeau would just simply enforce the rules in the book, eventually it would get around. Look, they're cracking down. It's done. You can't do it anymore. And they don't do that. Look, uh, you know, uh, somebody will say to you that, oh, somehow it's illegal uh, not to allow people in through Roxham Road. Uh, everybody has the right to enter Canada and make a refugee claim. But that's, uh, that was tackled by the Safe Third Country Agreement. Uh, yeah. that, that agreement was, was designed assuming that people are going to come to the port of entry. That's true. I think it was bad drafting, but it wouldn't make any difference because if the government right. is still going to leave officers there and welcome, welcoming them across the ditch, um, nothing prevents, an agreement is not going to prevent us from doing that. The only thing that will is our own policy, our own enforcement policy, what you tell your officers. Right, right. And again, and again uh, the, the optics uh, suggest that no one is really serious about stopping this. But I, I don't see this getting better. 
Um, you know, we're going into the warmer months, Giddy, and certainly that's a much easier time for people to do this kind of journey. And now if they're doing it both ways, it's just like it can get a lot. We could have the southern border on our border, too. It just takes a matter of time. And we've already got, um, as you probably well know, a number of border town mayors, including Niagara, saying we need a plan. We can't deal with this anymore. There's got to be a plan. That also isn't a big rush. So there is a growing frustration with this, and I just don't see how uh, the politicians kind of walk away without doing this. Because, I, I mean, 40,000 last year, what do those numbers look like in 2023? Right. Um, it, no, no matter what the numbers were yesterday, they're going to be higher tomorrow. Sure. Because yeah. it's not, this is not just a dialogue or a discussion that's going on between, you know, uh, smugglers, uh, human smugglers and the, the, the oppressed. Uh, lawyers are talking about it. Consultants are talking about it. Newspapers are talking about it. So everybody knows about it. And the more you and I and others talk about it, the more people will say, hey, I can get to Canada uh, by mm-hmm. going to Mexico, crossing into the United States, and then showing up at Roxham Road. You don't have to do really that much research. And obviously, if somehow, for some reason, a person um, – can get to Canada, but for example, they may have been banned from the United States. They may have uh, uh, a record or something that uh, they can't get into the United States. I'm not sure what reasons they have. Uh, just come to Canada, and here's a place to cross. So if if uh, you and I are talking about that here publicly on the radio, and the government doesn't do something about it, obviously um, it's going to uh, occur more and more frequently. Sure. And, and, and not only that, it will reach, you know, the ears of very unsavory people. You're not going to particularly like everybody who's going to want to cross the border. It's not just, you know, somebody who wants to reunite with their parents and their siblings right. in, in the United States. It's going to be people who you probably don't want here or in the United States. And that's yeah, not every. Yeah, that's something that has to be addressed eventually. Yeah, not everybody is here because they are, um, you know, poor and desperate. There are very nefarious people that can and and will exploit this. Having said that, um, Giddy, I mean, um, you know, if if this practice of coming to Canada and then flying, uh, walking to the U.S., if if this gets big, eventually it's going to become a very big problem, I think, between our two governments. Because if they see, you know, it's one thing for their 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 mayors to be sending them our way because we just meet it with a shrug. But if it's seen that we're not doing anything to stop this, America's not going to be very happy for very long. It will, I think, create a lot of tension. Well, look, we're going to do whatever they tell us to do. That's the long and short of it, because um, we cannot afford, um, you know, to have our trade relationship with our biggest trading partner, um, you know, compromised. So whatever they tell us to do, that's what we're going to do. The, 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 problem, uh, the, the problem I see is that our government um, wants to be popular. They want the vote of the young and, you know, the sort of the good-hearted people, I get it. But the problem is that maybe they haven't seen the kinds of people who need to cross a border. And uh, I remember when uh, uh, Justin Trudeau became prime minister, he had promised to bring in 25,000 Syrians. And I was asked to attend uh, at a hearing of the uh, uh, Department of Homeland Security at the, the U.S. Senate because they were freaking out. They were saying, you're going to bring in 25,000 people in a matter of months from Syria, a very dangerous place, um, you know, where you don't have an embassy. There's no way you can properly vet these people, and you're bringing them to Canada. And we want to know what risk those people represent to the United States. 
because once they're in Canada, it doesn't take great effort to enter the United States uh, surreptitiously. So they they are very concerned, and they have been mm-hmm. for a while, uh, about you know uh, the vulnerability of the United States to people coming in via Canada. And this is just another example. And here we're talking about, I think, in January, the report said about 370 people came in. Well, those are 370 people who were... Uh, who are caught, you don't know how many are actually coming across the border. It's a big, yeah. big border. Yeah. And the fact that you got 370 people, maybe you got 3,000 people who are crossing. Mm-hmm. Who knows? Yeah. And uh, eventually, when one crosses through, they get better at it. You know, they get better at it. They're using GPS uh, to, you know, do real-time tracking. Um, and, and they're getting very effective at it, and there's money to be made. But the problem is that it also gets very dangerous. You know, our mm-hmm. weather in Canada is not always very pleasant. You know, you cross at some forest somewhere or in the woods, and it's the dead of winter, and you lose, you know, you lose uh, a cell phone capability or something, and you don't know where you're going. Uh, very shortly, you have a real uh, human crisis, a real-life crisis. Yeah. Yeah. Well, no question about it. We're, we're generous here in, in uh, Canada, but it, it will wear thin, and I think it, it is. So stay tuned on that. I, I'm out of time, Giddy. I appreciate yours. Thank you. Have a great weekend. You will. Bye-bye. There is uh, Giddy Mam uh, joining us. So, yeah, all sorts of uh, interesting things developing. Uh, there's no such thing as just people walking in. And if there is, then we are in a country. Uh, let me um, take a quick break here, and we're going to talk about the consequences of Bill C-11. It is coming. It is one of the worst pieces of legislation. I think it's going to be an absolute disaster. But we'll put a few human face to it, and we'll talk with one of those who testified against it. And she is a creator, just a local creator. And we'll talk about what it's about to do to her business. You may be able to relate. Stay with us, Alex Pearson. This is 640 Troy. our culture, our artists, our creators, our music industry, our books, our television, our movies. What they're supporting? They're supporting web giants, the tech giants. That's it. They're standing up for them, not for Canadians. On this side, we're standing up for Canadians, Mr. Speaker. Yeah, we would prefer you not to stand up for us, Mr. Rodriguez. That is the uh, minister who is a... very anxious to get control of what we are allowed to consume on the internet. I'm talking Bill C-11, and it is now just a matter of time before the liberals uh, get this across the line, and they are desperate to get this across the line, and they don't care about the consequences, and there will be many. And I don't think it's going to be until Canadians find themselves blocked out of maybe their favorite social media uh, site or activity that they realize, oh my God, what is going on here? But of course, it'll be too late. So if you're someone who makes a living online, like you're a digital creator putting content out there, on any digital platform, including things like YouTube, you will be regulated and ruled by the CRTC. And if they don't see the value in what you do, if you just aren't quite what they want, then no one's going to see it. They'll make sure of it. And that will mean uh, possibly my next guest, who at 43 built a career online as anti-skates, you might know her, uh, on YouTube. And she was one of many testifying at the Senate hearings begging 
them to understand what this will do to digital creators. But, of course, they didn't care. We get uh, Urbi Roy on this uh, call, digital creator, 180,000 followers, got them on uh, TikTok and I think uh, also YouTube, anti-skates. Thanks so much, Urbi, for joining us. Hi, Alex. Thanks for having me. Well, I've been talking about this for a good long time. I watched your testimony. I remember your testimony. And um, you're like the face of this issue. And they just did not care. But I think what, what also struck me is that um, you built your business over a very long time. It didn't just happen. And that was one of the messages you wanted to get to them. So kind of put a face to Bill C-11 as a digital co creator as to what you're concerned about. Well, thank you for, for giving me this opportunity to speak on this. So I am a digital content creator and I kind of fell into it. Um, I, you know, I, I started out by just spreading some joy and positivity on TikTok and found a space, a platform finally, where people were interested in what I had to say. And mm -hmm. I, I, I did so well that I was able to get brand deals. And, it, you know, the more views you get, just as an example, the more yeah. views you get, the more opportunity you have to monetize right and so i was able to get brand deals and interviews and lots of opportunities if i'm if if tiktok is regulated that minimizes my opportunity to be shown to canadians and to the world which then minimizes my opportunity to get brand deals so i had a i had a, a video that did really well um, and it and it got five brand deals from that if my videos don't do well or if they're suppressed I won't get the deals. Yeah, that's, so what, that's what you yeah. understand is, yeah, it's right. like it's a suppression that if they don't think that, you know, um, you know, anti-skates is, is something that people should see, then you're going to get suppressed down and they'll show other Canadian content. Like maybe you'll see uh, Nature of the Beaver uh, instead. Um, and it's interesting because <laughs> you're a South Asian mom and you've got uh, mm -hmm. access to all sorts of different markets. And sometimes you do stuff in Sari. Um, mm -hmm that they're going to deem what your value is worth and mine and other uh, co content creators. At one part of this whole thing, uh, Urbi, there was like allegations of bullying. I think it came around the mm -hmm. time that you were testifying where it was very clear the liberal MPs, they did not want to hear from you. Were you, did you feel bullied through the process on this? Well, my, my experience in the house, I, I was grateful I went in there with my heart open and, you know, I really was very excited that somebody actually cared about what I had to say. And I had an opportunity to speak. And then I was with Darcy Michael. I was mm -hmm. completely ignored. I wasn't allowed. I, they didn't ask me any questions. The liberals didn't ask me any questions. I vote liberal. I was shocked. I was like, I thought they, they cared about what I had to say. And then they bullied my colleagues. I think yeah. maybe... The, it didn't look good to bully me, but they bullied my colleague Darcy, and it was it was on these minor points that they were bullying him on. I didn't understand why they didn't care at, at the time. I didn't understand why they didn't care, uh, or they didn't understand. It's not that they didn't understand; they didn't care. They 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 didn't care about our concerns. Now I get that. Yeah. And 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 I talked to him. Um, oh well, they just did not want to hear from from you or anybody else. And the premise no. of their talking point is that they want to protect Canadian content, but that is not that is not true because the Senate put forward twenty six recommendations, twenty four or twenty six recommendations, and one of them was do not regulate TikTok, um, Instagram, Facebook. These th you're going to crush those who create on these platforms with Canada. And they didn't adopt any of them. And, and I, I, I saw that and I thought, like nothing. So they are going to be controlling the, the, the web. What's your biggest concern? 
Well, as a Canadian citizen, it's alarming. <laughs> I, I think everybody should be alarmed, not just digital content creators. Why does the government want to regulate what we watch on social media? That is very alarming. And then as a digital content creator, you know, just to further my point, actually, the Internet is a free place for people to go and find content that they like. And the, the fact that the government is trying to now get in our way and, and dictate what we watch is alarming. And now as a digital content creator, I've been told that I don't, I don't qualify for CanCon, by the way. I'm not yeah. Yeah, Canadian not. enough, right? Right, that's the shocking <laughs> thing. I mean, it, this yeah. is, I, I thought I was Canadian. I'm like, I'm South I Asian mom. I'm probably, I'm less Canadian <laughs> than you. So <laughs> if you're I, not Canadian, I'm less Canadian, yeah. Yeah, I, who's who's defining what's Canadian? It, the government is deciding what's Canadian. If they want to protect Canadian artists, um, then actually protect Canadian artists because that's not what's happening here. So that's a concern of mine. I've been silenced many times in my life. I've been told that my story isn't the right fit. I'm too brown. I'm too tall. I'm too old. I'm too young. I'm too female. I'm not female enough. Lots of things. I know how this story goes and I know what's happening here. And I'm being told that I'm not important enough. Yeah. And, well, that, and that's and, alarming. Yeah. Well, and, it should be. Thousands, I, I, yeah. Yeah, I, look, I, I'm going to run up against the clock, but a couple of the other things I want to ask you, will you be able to, is there a go around on this thing? Could you register your site in the United States uh, and get around this? Because you're one of millions of content producers uh, who are going to be uh, kind of snared in this thing. Exactly. I, I mean, I will, I will continue. I'm not going to give up. I'm going to continue um, to push out my content and I want to go back to making safe videos and spreading joy and yeah. positivity, right? So I, my mom lives in the U.S. <laughs> She's going to be so happy to see me. <laughs> so I'm going to drive Maybe down she can there post and videos. Yeah. she can post my videos. Actually, that's a very good idea. Uh, so I'm going to continue to do this in whatever way I need to do. I, you know, I, I've, it's never been possible before, but here I am. I'm a South Asian Canadian mom in her 40s, making a living skateboarding in Sari. I'm going to keep telling my story. Uh, I'm not going to let the government take that away from me. It's not going to happen. Well, I, uh, well, I, I love your uh, your spirit and, and your fight. Um, I think people are just about to wake up to this, but we'll keep talking about it because it is a, a really consequential piece of legislation. Orby, thank you so much. We'll talk again. Thank you. There you go. That's Orby Roy. She is anti-skates, if you follow her. She's the face of, uh, I'm the face. Like there's, at, We're all the face of this bill. If you're on the internet and you're in this country of Canada, you are going to be affected. And you may not be able to see content that the government, the CRTC that governs me here in this chair, they're going to decide what you can see. Is that is this okay with you? I mean, look, it's it's almost too late now, uh, but it's coming. And it is, uh, it is I think, going to be a very rude awakening. And uh, it's very sad because uh, the time to make a lot of noise was much sooner. But... Uh, the good news is Pierre Polyevra has said he'll scrap this immediately once he's uh, if he's elected. So maybe anti skates will change her vote because I don't I don't get the sense she'll, she'll be voting liberal again. Um, that'll wrap it up for us today. Y'all know where I'm going. I got the manuka honey and the prednisone and a pillow with my name on it. So that's where I'll be going. So I hope you have a terrific weekend. We'll watch for the snow. And uh, don't forget your clocks. I thank you very much for listening, taking part, and always giving me the feedback. 
I want to thank Heather Purden and uh, Corey Manuel for always getting the beast to air. So thank you very much. And uh, thank you very much. Have a great week. And I'm Alex Pearson. This is 640 Toronto.